Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner and wife and my life, Rachel Campos Duffy. I got that a little wrong, but that's okay, Rachel. Good to be with you on this Friday for Q&A between the two of us. Yeah, it's that time of the week. We love it. It's actually our highest rated episodes of the week are our Q&A. People love them. We love them. But before we get going on the questions, and they're great this week, by the way, I we just have to cover this topic because we woke up this morning. We were in a good mood. We were having coffee together, preparing for Q&A. And... I looked down at an article and my hair was like on fire. Like, I actually saw it burn. Your, your hair yeah, was burning. I could see my Smalling. hair burning, fire shooting out of my eyes because, of course, I mean, it should be no surprise, but it, but, but it still it just makes you mad. And that, of course, is that article that's now showing that China is rehearsing for an invasion with Taiwan. Um, they're they're basically showcasing, showing off um bragging in our face they're showing videos military videos first of all of some of their training um their individual training the people's liberation army training but also the exercises that they're now doing in the south china sea with the russians uh together something that we've been saying forever would happen we would bring china and russia our two greatest enemies um, the, the most dangerous threat to America. We brought them closer together because of the Ukraine war, a war that we refuse to find a peace. In fact, our government and our State Department have thwarted any efforts to bring peace in that um, in that battle between uh, uh, Russia and Ukraine. And now we see them working together. What was really infuriating to me, Sean, was I looked at the video. If you haven't seen it, you could go. It's, it's on the Internet. I know the Daily Mail has the video as well. It's got these this Chinese, you know, music behind it. The the lyrics um, are are like, you know, go through the, over the wall, you know, get the enemy. It's like, you know, they're, they're the video looks like Top Gun, really. They're yeah. doing these training exercises. So first off, so w w the the enemy of my enemy is my friend philosophy. That is what has brought China and Russia together. They both uniformly hate the United States. The United States is the enemy of both of them, which has brought them together. Uh, two major superpowers um, that makes um, American foreign policy that much more difficult. But you're referencing this video. And again, you have soldiers storming the beach, SEAL-esque. 
you know, driving through the desert. Uh, and again, th this is all we would argue in anticipation of an invasion, preparation for an invasion of Taiwan. And I, I, we, and the Taiwanese are preparing for that as well. They are. They're they're you know hunkering down. You know, like almost air raid style sheltering, practicing you know, like we did in the '60s and '70s. You know, for nuclear war, get under your desk as the air raids come. They know this is. Uh, this imminent. is imminent. That's right. And what what I find fascinating in this conversation is that 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 the Chinese almost look American esque from the eighties, yes. right? Strong men, working out, patriotic, um, fierce warriors. And you compare that to today, where we have a conversation in the military about you know, the transgender and gay, and we want everybody in. And it's a well, great and green energy. It was, is the other thing. I mean, they're, they're focused on our tanks and our, and our sustainable being sustainable and EV and electric and that our, our ships, our battleships, we got to make sure they're green as well. And uh, the, by the way, the, the Russian um, state news agency, um, also releasing videos showing these joint exercises. So they're showcasing to us, they're letting us know um, they've got nine large vessels sailing in diamond formation um, with crews standing in attention on, on the decks. Um, they inc include uh, practicing the replenishment of fuel reserves by the ships. They're transferring cargo. They're showing all the things they can do together the People's Liberation Army and the Russian forces. By the way, the Russians are doing this as they're fighting, actually, pretty effectively in in Ukraine as well. People as the thought, Ukrainians are vacationing in, at the beaches, buying villas in Italy, all going very well for the Ukraine. As we're sending more money to Ukraine, we're running out of ammunition here, and our enemies are getting stronger. And I'll tell you, Sean, if you are the Chinese in particular, and the Russians too, but more so the Chinese, this is the time to do this. If you were ever going to get get um take advance on 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 america on the united states of america and on their military um if you're ever going to make that move with a bumbling administration like this that's focused on you know trans and green when you have admiral american admirals in dresses i mean of course this is the time that you would want to attack. It's right now. And and people, it's in our faces. Well, so the, I, I think that I think if you're the Chinese, you're just like, it's a matter of time. When is the right time? When have they fallen so far that they can't respond to what we're going to do? And again, they look at our streets burning, our borders open. Our military is is gay and LGBTQ plus. We're transitioning kids. We're, we're teaching our kids about trans and global warming as opposed to math, science, English, the hard sciences. Millions but, are being addicted to I, fentanyl as well. But if you look through history, if if actually this philosophy of if we could be an inclusive trans gay society, right, where we have or in if, we, if this is what we if this is what built strong societies, those societies would have prevailed throughout history. But actually, when Rome and other societies did what we're doing, they failed. They crumbled. They fell. That's what's going to happen to the United States of America. And you look at what really works right now and throughout history is when you have strong men that are patriotic, that want to fight and defend their way of life. And that's what you see with the Chinese right now. And in America, we're doing something completely different. The Chinese, if you're them, they're like, we are going to win this war against the United States without firing a shot. Yeah, I mean, the military needs to go back to its mission.
and its mission is to make us strong. Um, its mission is to protect our country. And we have just allowed so much social engineering and and leftist progressive ideology, social ideology, cultural Marxism creep in. Our generals are also more concerned communism. with diversity training than they are with physical training. And the Chinese are seeing that. They're taking advantage. I don't think this story is getting enough attention. That's why we wanted to bring it to your attention. Um, this should be, frankly, issue number one in this election. Uh, be, listen, we have the situation burning in, in Maui. And yeah, well, in Maui too. Uh, we have the situation burning in the Ukraine. I don't think our military could handle an invasion with Taiwan right now. Um, I think just. The, the the Chinese will have the advantage in this because of everything that's going on so, geopolitically. I, I, I know we have questions we're going to answer, but if, if I look and go, how stupid has American Republican and, and Democrat yes. leadership been, American businesses, how stupid they've been that we have for a, an increase in profit, we've sold our countrymen out and we've gone to China and we've invested in China. We've given them our technology when we've invested there. We've allowed them to steal our technology. We've allowed them to buy uh, farms in America, buy companies in America, buy technology from America when we can't invest anything in China. They send spy balloons, spy planes over our country. We do nothing. They set up bases in Cuba, spy bases in Cuba, right on our border and there. We think that there's a peaceful world ahead of us that can all be focused on green. Th this is insanity. The world in which Bill Gates and John Kerry envision is fairyland stuff because this is breeding weakness in the U.S., strength in China, which, by the way, they're playing along a little bit as they build, you know, what, t t 10 coal fire, coal fire power plants this year alone. They don't give a damn about green energy. They care about no. world dominance. Yes. And again, you have stupid people running America stupid businessmen investing in China. They're not stupid, Sean. They're self-interested. They're saying, I'm going to make generational wealth for my family at the expense of the uh, well-being of this country. And and they don't care. They're just they're just thinking of themselves, their kids, right. you know, well, paying off their kids, uh, you know, college and, and having their house paid off in the Hamptons. That is all they care about. Um, and that's what they're thinking of. And meanwhile, this thing is i mean it's burning it's right in front of us they're 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 practically um they're practically bragging can i tell you what happens to me and, and by the way i just can i just say this before you say that sean I, I look at this training video from the chinese versus remember that animated um you know uh LGBTQ. It was like my mom. I have two. I have a lesbian moms, and this is and it's all about me. And the military is a welcoming place to me. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, you're not you're not attracting warriors with these kinds of messages, and it's just it's undermining our country because peace comes through strength, and we are weak right now. Can I find one point that I made? I don't care. If you want to be a warrior and you're gay or trans or I, don't give, I, agree. A, I don't give a damn about any of that. I just care that you're a warrior. But if all I care about in the military is I don't care. They, they don't care if you're a warrior. They just care if you're gay, trans, they care about equity or that's, or, divert, or, that, or Hispanic or black or whatever. That's the point I'm making. I want warriors 
focused on being warriors and being strong. I don't want the focus on something else, which is not about being warriors. It's well, it's, it's about the social military is structure. A unit, Sean, you have to be united under something. And the flag you unite under is the American flag. You unite under the American flag. You cannot unite soldiers under the, the, the rainbow flag. It's just not going. It's not what the military is b- built to do. And so we're weaker than we've ever been. Recruitment is collapsing at a level. By the way, they also lost a lot of people because of COVID and all the ridiculous rules that they had. A lot of you and I both know multiple strong, amazing young men who wanted to be Navy SEALs. Who said no? Who said I'm not going to join because I don't want to take the vaccine because I, I I don't like the direction of the military. I think they're actually purging patriotic minded young people from from the forces. I don't think I can advance in this diversity um, prioritized military. Yeah. So they just say I don't want to I don't want to join. And, and I look at it too, and just to, and I, and I know we're going to go to questions here in a second, but. I, I see this and I like you, my hair's on fire. I, I, I see the tr- I see the trouble that's on our horizon, whether it's on the economy, whether it's on the, the what I would talk about this uh, in, in a previous podcast, but about the, 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 the persecution of Donald Trump, the, the conviction and the jailing of a lead presidential candidate, a former president um, that is going to have global economic consequences. And I look at this. This is what's happening in, in with, with the Chinese and their strength global economic and and um, security and freedom consequences. But I can go back in my everyday life because it doesn't, it's not happening right now, right? I, I kind of can, by the afternoon, forget this is happening as I don't. we have our kids in the summer and they're getting ready for school. And you can kind of let it go because it's not in your face right now, but it will be in your face. It is coming. And again, you can prepare for it and you should you know, concern, be concerned about your elections be concerned about your leaders and what they're going to bring to the, to, to the table that's going to breed security and safety and freedom for your family and your future generations. I'm sorry. I'm seeing these images, Sean. These images are frightening to me. Um, I see how strong I see how one track minded the Chinese and 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 the Russians are together. And it's frightening. China rehearsing invasions of Taiwan. They're storming sea defenses. Um, these are really, these are war games that should frighten America because we have never seen it on this scale. And again, I don't want to be alarming, but we need to be, be on fire alarm here. So let's, let's be clear. When China invades Taiwan, we will do nothing about it because we can't do anything about it because we're so weak. And so you might say, well, why do I care that China invade Taiwan? Yes. Well, a a majority, the largest producer of computer chips, the, the 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 micro and macro chips that go into computers and phones, they're all made. A majority of them are made in Taiwan. Taiwan has a massive manufacturing base for these computer chips. And how will that affect our life, Sean? And then then China controls. So not only do they have all of the critical minerals. Uh, for our for batteries that are going to be in your electric car that you can only buy in you know eight years because the, the gas powered cars won't be here. Joe Biden's outlawed them. Um, eight years we're outlawing gas powered cars. Yep. So so they have the critical minerals. They have the technology to build the batteries, which we do not have. But they'll also have all the chips, the manufacturing that goes into the cars, the computers, the phones. 
this is a, a, a massive security risk, which is one of the reasons why we're, we're so concerned about this invasion of, for, of, of of China into Taiwan because of the strategic importance of Taiwan to the rest of the world in regard to these really important components of our everyday life. So just a, just a backdrop on how it impacts us in one small segment um, of the manufacturing base, which is really important for everything we use, TVs, computers, iPads, cars, everything these chips go into. They're the, they're, and then they're the just to think that that's happening, Sean, as we're shutting down our own gas and oil production and going into electric, which makes us even more reliant on China um, because of critical minerals. It's, it's, it's criminal, actually. It is. So be concerned. This is the China biggest. This is the, the biggest story of the week. Um, it's it's huge. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80 percent of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5000 percent. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. Let's let's talk about a couple questions that have come in. And so I think this must be in the minds of a lot of people as we're going into the new school season. Uh, our kids are either, you know, freshmen especially are off at college or they're about to go to their freshman year in college and orientation. Your daughter's leaving next week. Or, you know, those who are sophomores and seniors that are, they're all going in. But we got a question about uh, what's the best advice we have um, for that smart student going into college or also that, that student that's graduating from college and going out into the workforce for these young people. What's the best advice that you have, Rachel, for a young person either entering school or entering the workforce what should they think about? What should they do? What's your advice? So I've I've had a lot of time to think about our own kids who, you know, some have chosen to go to college, some have not. And so I think the question to ask yourself as a parent and also as a, a student going into college is, am, why am I going to college? And am I going for an education or am I going for a career? And so as you go in and you pick your classes when you're a senior, I mean, I believe now that, you know, unless you're going to be a doctor, which I think that's a very valuable thing, a doctor, an engineer, those are careers. But in the humanities, um, I think it's it's about getting an education and it's about learning, um, building on, I think, the great classical works that have informed great minds for centuries, t- true, t- tried and true information history, um, literature. So, you know, it's about enlightenment. It's about enlightenment in so many ways. And I think that, you know, our daughter's school at the University of Dallas, because it's a classical school, is is setting that curriculum up for them. But most students going into university are getting sort of this 
vast array of choices that they can make. And so if you're going to a a typical university that's not based on the classical curriculum, I might do some research and and say, what classes should I take? Because no one's going to guide you. You're going to have to create your own education. Our oldest daughter, Evita, went to the University of Chicago and she wishes that it didn't take her until her senior year to figure out that she could have taken classes on time, Thomas Aquinas, that she could have taken courses um, that would have helped her for and, and history classes that she thinks would have been better for her. She didn't figure that out until later on. So maybe find a mentor, a, 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 a professor that shares your point of view about, you know, what the, what education should look like and have someone help you create that curriculum because even liberal colleges have great teachers and have great coursework. And so it's, it's, I, it's, it's up to you to find those classes. Well, so often I think people are just looking for the credential, right? It's a really expensive credential that comes without enlightenment, without education, because you, you, you pointed out Avita um, at the university of Chicago, I mean, read just garbage, stupid stuff um, that was, I, we, I just, we, would, we were looking at what she was reading and it was, I thought, idiotic, where our daughter, Lucia, who's at the University of Dallas, it is, it is really great books and classic in history and Western civilization, a huge difference. And so if you're looking for just the credentials, that's a really expensive credential. Maybe you want to take a different path. If you want to be enlightened and educated, think about where you're going um, you already, you've already made that choice. If we're at this point in this conversation, you can find that you can but find you can that classical. Right. You can, you can, you can. There's things that I don't like about the fact that you can tailor your curriculum in that way, but I think that there is a good thing, which is that you can tailor it and you can find those yeah. that coursework that matches. And, and I also think, just as we kind of look at whether they're in school or out of school, um, I, I think taking risks is so important. Yeah. Um, not being afraid to fail. Um, doing something that you fail at and actually you may not like it um, and it might put you in a different direction. But knowing what you like and don't like actually comes from success and failure um, and maybe not doing things, you know, th the best at the start can be really powerful in your life. Like my first trial that I had as a DA was a, a child sexual assault case. Um, I was I actually had hives before it. I was so stressed out um, and I lost it. It was a camp counselor who was there was some abuse with children. Um, it was, a, I lost it. Um, I was devastated about it. I convinced he did it. I didn't lose one of those cases after though. I lost that one. I didn't lose any other child sexual assault cases after it because, you know, I learned a ton from trying that case and it was a hard case. Yeah. Um, but I, I could have settled it. I could have never tried it, but I did it. And I was, I was better for it and other victims of sexual assault were better for me being a better prosecutor and right. putting away their, you know, th their bad guy, our bad guy. Yeah. No, I think that's a great lesson too. I think also when kids go off to college, um, they have an idea of what they want, what they think they want. I mean, I was one of those people that changed my majors. And I think that it's really important. Go in for the first couple of years, really open-minded, um, ready to, ready to, to, to see what you really enjoy and love. And I think that's the, that's the key. I thought I wanted to be a social worker. Listen, I have a heart for that stuff. And I, when I meet social workers and people involved in that line of work, I have nothing but respect for them. 
But when I went in, I realized that the classes that I was most excited about were my economics classes. Yeah, I loved economics. And so I knew it would be harder. Um, I knew it would require me to get into math classes that I thought I couldn't do, but I somehow, you know, managed to do that. And I, I think I, I don't have any regrets about changing my major. I think it was the right major for me. And so again, just being open-minded to, to different, um, different majors and seeing what you're really, what you're really good at. I no, think I... that's, that's the, we're what you, not what you're good at, but what you love, what you love to do. Okay. So here's. Another uh, question that came to us. What is your proudest accomplishment, Sean? Um, so again, there's, I, there's a lot of like big life accomplishments, but I'm going to tell you what, when, when I won the 90 foot professional speed climb, it was the most remarkable moment in my life. Um, again, this is the small little sport um, of lumberjack sports. Big deal for me. Like, listen, I was willing to break my back and be paralyzed. That's how dumb you are at like 20 years old, 21 years old. Literally said that to yourself. I thought that. I'm like, I will go to any lengths to win. And if, listen, the rest of my life I'm, I'm paralyzed, I'm okay with that. That's Literally a crazy that, I know. ass thought. And I, but I, I worked really, really hard. I trained really hard. Um, and put it all on the line, including your back, my back and my ability to, to walk the rest of my life. That's so insane. So stupid. But listen, I won. It was, it was a, an, an amazing accomplishment for me. I was on like cloud nine for a very long time. It was very cool. That and um, winning this, the winning the house seat was one of the coolest, most, because listen, that was, a, I mean, that was months and months and months of work, a year and a half of work and sacrifice for both you and me. And when we, when, when we won, I, I don't know, it was, it was the most gratifying, cool, like I couldn't, I, I was like having out of body ex, experiences because I never thought I ran, but I, I, everyone said I couldn't win. And I didn't even want to let the thought of me winning slip into my head. I didn't want to be so let down. Should I lose that? I just worked my heart out and never let myself actually believe that it could happen. And so, yeah, winning that race was so cool. Just a, a quick side note, Dick Cheney came and spoke to our uh, our freshman class. It was 87 new freshmen that won in 2010. And as he spoke to us at the first retreat we did, he said, listen, I've, you know, I've was, 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 was I was a, I was a congressman. I was, what, was secretary of defense. I was been vice president. Like he said, all these positions in government, um, they were all really cool. And he said, the greatest, the greatest part of my service, the highest emotional experience I had in government was when I won that first house race, which you guys just had. It doesn't get better than this. It's pretty flipping awesome. So yeah, I, I still remember the first you were at orientation. So you hadn't even been sworn in yet. So it was two months before you were sworn in. Um, but they have an orientation right after you win in November, like a few weeks later, they send all the congressmen and their wives down to get an orientation to find out what's this all about before you actually get sworn in and, and move and, you know, start working in D.C. It's baby congressman camp. Yeah, it's kind of like it's like congressman camp. Yeah. And um, you just thought you were going to get classes for this and this and this. And they had a few interesting fun dinners and so forth. But they surprised you at a dinner by allowing you to walk into the house chamber for the first time. And so you've seen that on television where people where you see the president come for the uh, state uh, state of the union and he walks through this the sort of says, Madam Speaker or Mr. Speaker, the president 
of the United States of America. And then the doors open and the president comes in. Yeah. Before he walks in, all the secretaries and yeah. cabinet members walk through. And then at the end, the, the president walks through. Well, that was the same place. The same doors. The same doors that they allowed you to walk into the chamber. I was not allowed to walk through there, um, but you did um, before you were even elected. And Sean Duffy cried like a baby. I did. And actually, that's not true. You were you were with me. You came in with me on that day. I yeah, was allowed to walk through. Was yep, I? We walked in, and we sat in the first two chairs on the, oh, the left hand so, side of the so aisle. Right. You're so right. You're and so, so I didn't right. walk in. I walked and sat in the first chairs. You're right. And I was. And by the way, I I had never been the, to the Capitol. It wasn't in session, but generally, if if you can't come on, right? If it's if it's in session, only members and anyone under the age of 12 you can bring a, a you can bring your child you can bring your child in yep or, or or if you have a friend of the family if you're under 12 you can go while in session and 10 years old onto the house floor 11 years old onto the house floor which is really cool for kids to be part of that but we went on we cried i cried and then i we were allowed to sit in the speaker's chair and i just i was so amazed that i had the opportunity and the honor to to, to sit in this great institution um and be part of it uh, it was really, really neat. By the way, I was, we were in Statuary Hall. If you've been to the Capitol, Statuary Hall is right next to, it's right in between the House Chamber and like the center of the Capitol. We had a dinner there. I had no idea where we were. I didn't know. What we Statuary had never Hall entered was. into the, Capitol. the U.S. Capitol until after Sean was elected. I was a member elect. I went in the Capitol for the first time. The so first yeah, time. I'm like, where's the, where's the House Chamber? They're like it's right there. <laughs> anyway, uh, a little yeah. bit naive. And that, that, was, was a, that was a big one. Definitely a proud achievement. It was. How about you? Kudos. Well, you know, it's been interesting as I get older and I'm able to see our children um, get married. We now have a son who's engaged as well. Uh, so we're we're kind of in, entering in, even though we have a, a child still in diapers, um, we have enough time that we can see uh, at me as a mom, I can see the work that I've put in um, and the fruit of that work. And for me, that's the greatest accomplishment is having um, a marriage and a family that is, you know, big and has lasted this long and is still growing and moving forward. I still, I, you know, every time Evita calls I, I, and says she has something to tell me, I keep thinking I'm going to be a grandmother, which makes me excited. Look before this podcast, she called. I'm like, listen, stop. She call her after the podcast. <laughs> the podcast right now. I know. Yeah. Um, but can tell what I, you, you put a lot of effort thought, energy, both of us do. And, and again, nothing is perfect in life, but Absolutely. you have to put time and thought and energy and effort into those things that matter and last. And we have put a lot of time, effort, energy, thought into our marriage, into our kids, into our family, um, no doubt. It's hard sometimes when you're in the middle of it with little kids and it's that sort of day-to-day -day constant, you know, go, go, go. But as you get older, um, and I still feel like I'm go, go, go. But as I get older, you go, go. you're looking under the go, go girls. Yes. Um, and I, I can see some of the fruits of that, you know, as they go off to college, as they get married, as they get engaged. And that's super rewarding for me uh, to see what what we've created. And so I would say that's that's been um, that's been the best can, part. Can I, make, can I go back in our prior, prior question? We we're talking about school and, and advice and whatnot. I just, I think that so often this even goes to, this even goes to this, this conversation. It's so important um, to work really hard, work really hard at your marriage, work really hard at your family, but work really hard in your career. And I think so often that people today, young people today, especially think that things just come really easy. 
success in your career comes easy. Money comes easy. Relationships. Love, relationship, families, all of that stuff comes really easy and should just happen for you and just should be plopped on your lap. And maybe for some people that does happen, but very, yeah. very few. If, you're, if, you're, if your dad is rich. <laughs> if your dad's a billionaire, that might happen for you. But yeah. most people- you get uh, a whole not, other set that, of problems. That's, that's not the case. Yeah. And you do, you have to work really hard at those things. And and it takes effort. And I think, so I don't know why this is now the case, but everyone expects, you know, easy street on all of these issues. And then they let down. It's like, well, I, I didn't get the promotion. I'm not making the money or I don't have love or, I, you know, what's going wrong with my family? Well, the, the reason is you thought it was going to be easy. And all of it takes work and all of it gives you great joy in the process. And then the, 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 the end result is really rewarding, but you never get it without putting that effort and in, in, in work into it. Yeah, no, I think I think that's an excellent, excellent point. Um, Not that your work, because you're easy. Yeah, sure. Um, let's talk about, this is an interesting question. They said, what is your love language? So I guess there, there are these, these, <laughs> Love language. I want to pull up because when they when they said that, I need to pull up what is the um the different love languages. So let me so, pull that can, up. Can, Go ahead. Can we, so you and I have had a lot of conversations about language of love because I I think you should speak my language, um, and we kind of have different you know languages that both of us use. So I'm I'm very I'm very physical and affectionate, right? So I will hold your hand. I will kiss you. I will put my arm around you. I'm a, I'm a very affectionate spouse slash husband, um, with you. And you're, I would say, uh, sorry. Okay. Rachel's, Rachel's pulling up the love language thing right now as she, she's, she is amazing as she taps at her, at her phone. She works magic on that little thing. She spends a lot of time with in her hand. Okay. So the five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of, acts of service, and receiving gifts. I don't think that the, they say that's the five love languages, but I, I think it's missing a few in there. But yes. So Sean, more affectionate than I am in general, but I'm more affectionate with the kids. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like pretend like I'm five years old. Uh, but yeah, but I love that about Sean. I think all of us marry people that help fill in those gaps. And I think that in that regard, um, I think Sean has made me more affectionate, which I love. And I think I've made him more affectionate with the kids, which That's I think true. he loves. Um, it's not in here, but it's um, uh, loyalty. I wish loyalty was in there. because that is a big, I know I took a test once, like a personality test. And it said that, my strength was my loyalty. And so if I, you know, if if a friend or somebody betrays me, it hits really hard because I really value loyalty. I don't know why that's not on there, but because I think that's a that's a language of love that when you're loyal to somebody. But in any case, um, I think words of affirmation are good. Um, and I think, I I think acts of service, I'm not big, I'm not big on, um, on gifts, either receiving or giving. It's just not that important to me. So great. Such a great part. You're lucky. Sean. (laughs) Such a great part of our marriage for me, but acts of service are, and I know where I get it from. My dad is somebody who's very big on acts of service. My dad is a super gentle soul who, 
you know, is that person that, you know, without asking can look around a room and see what, what someone needs and, and does it, you know, whether it's a cup of coffee or a, you know, I remember just this summer, a quick something for lunch for someone that might be hungry or went to the store and bought all the great ingredients to make his famous chocolate cake for our son's birthday the other yeah. day. I mean, that's sort of his thing. And it's such a beautiful, Yeah, you do. You do a lot of wonderful, nice things that um, are above and beyond for people in the house. It's a, it's, it is acts of service. That is one of the ways you show love. You, you mentioned this, the test that you took. We did that with my whole campaign staff at one of our retreats. Yeah. Um, and it was. What did I, yours come up as? So I forget. I forget what it came up as, but they did. It's a, it's a story of of how all of these different things happen, and we're supposed to talk about who's who's the bad guy in through the story, and based on what you value, you'd have all different people who are, the, you know, the the bad guy or the villain, and um. And that kind of helps determine who what your I values just, but are. But it was like I was. I remember doing it. I was like. I, we we had we had different we had different villains in the in in this test that we went through. But anyway, yeah, like I, I was like, how, how could anyone not see that this is the villain villain? And you had someone completely different. Yeah, it's interesting how 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 people think about different situations. That I, is I, very I'm gonna find out what that was. That was Anne gave that to us. One of our one of our friends. I'm gonna get that in future podcast. I'll I'll, I'll give it to you. Here's a question: What's the best investment you've ever made? That's easy. That would be you, Rachel. You were the best mm -hmm. investment. I, I thought made. you were going to say your cabin. Well, after you, I would say my cabin. This, I wanted to get a place on this lake that I grew up on for a long time, and when when we were able to get this one, it, it is it's a it's a place of joy, and so I love it. It's yeah, it's but no, but that's this, a good family investment, no but, question. But, but but that investment would mean nothing if I hadn't invested in you. So we get it. I again, you both of us have said this. We go when we, if we go there by ourselves without the other, it's wonderful. It's great. It's fun, but it means that much more. When, when we're all we together. together, yeah. yeah How about we, you? What's your? Is that? I, you know, I would say obviously you're a great investment. Thanks. Um, I married you. You had not a penny in your pocket. In fact, the ring that you, Sean gave me when we got engaged um, broke in half because it was so thin and so cheap. And how many times are you gonna tell that story? Instead of it. We have a six time in our podcast. I've person. In fact, uh, besides my wedding ring. Sean later on felt bad about that. And when he had money, he bought me a beautiful ring and I wanted to exchange it because I felt so guilty. Like I just, I'm just not a big jewelry person. Like I said, I'm not a gift person. I love it. It's beautiful, but it's not. And another time he bought me diamond earrings and I you had me return them. You I said returned them. And I said, if you're not offended, I'm going to return the diamond earrings and for half the price, I'll buy this uh, rug that I've been really wanting. And he said, earrings. okay, that's fine. So I returned the diamond earrings and bought a rug Just that I had been on the, on the ring that broke to buy our engagement ring that broke. That was so cheap. We actually took the stones out of the yeah, ring. And the put diamond that... was actually a nice diamond. Right. It's just that the ring itself the ring was, was cheap. So and we, I put the, in a different the, ring. So yeah, you have the diamond in the ring you wear now. Yeah, but that's just that's yeah. not it. That's not important. To me. I you know I want to go back to Kevin. I think I know we've talked about this a lot, but I I think having a place wherever it is. Um, and by the way, this cabin we have is tiny. It's like you ever seen those tiny homes? Um, yeah. that's what it looks like. It's a tiny home, uh, but it's yeah, it's, not big at all. It's really special. Not extravagant. Not ex it's it is no. Simple. It's pretty simple. But it's a place that um, it's well designed. It works for us, and it had to be well designed in order to fit as many people as we are. As small as it was, yeah. But and we have a bunkhouse over the garage for the kiddos. But um, you know, if you have a place that 
if you're lucky enough to have a place that you can go back to, it could be a place that your family goes camping to every every year. It could be a place your family rents every year, the same place. Um, but having something that you go back to that's the same place year after year after year uh, brings really wonderful long-term memories. And it's something that I'm really, again, a lot of, as I'm getting older and my kids are getting older and I'm able to kind of see things from this perspective, looking back. And I think that wisdom um, is just kind of accumulating, I guess. And I think that's really important so to I, have this thing that you can come back to year after year. And, and, and you, you kind of remember, you go to that same place and you remember when your kid was four, but now they're 14 or now they're 24. Um, it's fascinating. And so when I was growing up, uh, a number of different families, and I always thought it was so great. Like we had a little cabin when I was growing up on the lake that we're on now. And I loved going there. Like I spent my whole summer on the lake. I broke, I think I told you this, I broke my leg one summer and I had to drive around the the, the lake, on a, you know, on a, on a boat. And I'm surprised if I'd fallen in, I would have drowned because one of those big old casts I used to have. But my other friends would, they'd go camping and they'd go to the same campground to the same campsite at the same time every year and some other families would go, but that's what they did every summer. It's it was wonderful. inexpensive, but they, I mean, they had more fun. They loved it, but that was their place. That was the thing they did every summer and it was campfires at night and swimming and they, that's what they loved. And, um, but I think you're right, Rachel, to have that place that your family goes to. And that, and that doesn't mean that you can't have adventure in your life and do different things going to different places, but you do have one place that you consistently come back to, to build those memories off of. Cause I think you're right. It's neat to see someone, you know, at four years old at this place, but then also 14 years old at that same place. And you see them grow. You know, our friend, and that's why it's been so hard for Will Kane, um, seeing what's happened in Maui. So when he was a kid, his parents bought a place um, just outside of Lahaina and Maui, like a timeshare. And he's been going back to the same place since the seventies. And now the friends that he grew up with have kids who play with his kids and so again, it's the same place, same place. I think that's um, that that's a really interesting thing. And and by the way, our hearts are are still with so many people there in in Hawaii. It's just a it's just such a tragedy to it think that a, place well, is gone. By the way, it didn't have to be that way. Had they had more sane people in leadership making better decisions um, on how to handle a crisis and a fire. Um, maybe not as much property would have been lost, not as many lives. 111 people lost their lives in this fire. Uh, you've all probably heard this in the news, but the the emergency manager refused to sound the alarm, which is an emergency alarm. Usually, it's for a uh, for a uh, a tsunami. But had someone you know heard the alarm, looked outside their door, they would have seen a massive forest fire coming toward them, and they could have gotten out. They didn't. They didn't ring that alarm. They didn't have what water in the fire tanks. They were debating whether to release the water. I mean, it's just it's, there's so many failures. Stupid it's, people. It's, it's not climate change. It's it's human failure and really bad misallocation of resources and priorities. Um, okay, so here's an interesting question. What's and, and this is goes back to the wisdom thing. And I I think probably what you would say today, Sean, on this question probably wouldn't be the same thing you would say ten years ago. Um, what's an idea that you have? That you think, what's an idea that most people get wrong? Oh, that's interesting. You, it's you such go... a great question. Well, I mean, it's interesting because you talk about working hard. And I, I, of course, I believe in working hard. Um, but I also believe that some people work too hard. 
And by that, I mean that they believe, and I, I tell this, I, I, I probably if my bosses at Fox knew how many times I told young people who work there to, you know, recognize that their company doesn't love them. Corporations don't love you. Um, when you die, uh, when you're on your deathbed, um, you, you know, you want to be, doesn't come no, spend nobody, you. no, your manager and your boss are not going to come and hold your hand. Um, as you're dying, your kids will, your grandkids will, um, your spouse will. And so it's really important to have that balance in life and to prioritize things that last. And of course, jobs have a purpose, but the purpose of a job, um, mostly is just to support the people you love, the family that you want to have and the kind of life you want to lead with those that with that family. And it's wonderful to have purpose and passion. And I love my job and you love your job. Uh, but in the end, our jobs are not the purpose. Uh, the purpose is, uh, of our life is our faith and our family. And so I think it's important to remember that corporations don't love you. I tell that to people all the time. I sometimes hear about paternity paternity leave I, i'm a lot of young men that i know now are having uh you know their first baby and they're they get paternity leave and they wonder should i take it and i'm like heck yeah take your paternity leave maybe you want to break it up a little bit and and use some of it in the beginning and use a little bit later or whatever you want to do but of course time spent with your family way more important than time spent working so, for your company so first of all if you're if you're blessed enough to have that so, in your contract so but having purpose in your work is important. Loving your job is really important. So your job doesn't feel like work, really important. I love that. But your job is not the purpose of life to that point. You can, I mean, just to kind of play on those two two ideas of purpose, the purpose of your life is for your family and your faith um, and passing that off to your next generation. Can I, can I go this, you know, if you ask me like, what do I think about now? Again, I'm at a little older age and you're going to, you're going to roll your eyes at me, I'm sure, mm -hmm. or maybe not. I do think you're supposed to, you, you have to, the deferred gratification matters. I agree and, with that. And trying to save and prepare for your own retirement, making I sure agree. you build a little, some kind of wealth and starting young really matters because you have the longevity of money to grow. Really important. Now, I, I knew that when I was young, we didn't do it as much when we were younger. Now it was hard because we had so many dang kids and they it's were money. really expensive and not a lot of money. But I do think that's important, whatever little bit people can put away for that deferred gratification to have maybe a little more freedom of uh, of opportunity to make choices when they're older. Um, that matters. And I think a lot of people, you know, will, will spend everything they make and live paycheck to paycheck and thinking through that uh, more effectively. That's deferring. a man's job, Sean. What's that? That's a man's job. And that's, <laughs> it should, but it should be our job together. But I guess, this is the big, but, this is the conflict we have sometimes too. It's yes. like, I just, I hate I hate talking about money. I hate she goes to dealing sleep. with it. I get about it. I, she'll listen for a minute and then it's like, she'll fall asleep. No, literally Sean will say, okay, we have to talk about the finances. Can you please just give me one minute and not fall asleep? And I'm like, okay. And I literally have to put like toothpicks between my eyelids. Cause I just, as soon as the t conversation about money happens, it just, it's so boring to me. I just hate it. But it's from, it's her finances. It's her I don't money. care. I just, I'm just like, anyway, I hate but I do, it. But I have to structure myself where that minute has to be tightly, tightly presented so she can take it all no, in that one minute I think it's actually a really fair point. I mean, I talk about, yeah, you got to focus on your family. You got to focus on what matters. Corporations don't love you. But in the end, also being grateful for these corporations that end up paying our bills and, you know, um, paying our retirements and, you know, 
give you the ability to save and and do that and, or give you paternity leave also, like some of these young men i know but also if i if i had divert deferred gratification and i put a little bit of money away to give me a little cushion when i was when i'm 45 and i'm like i have this great idea i want to take this life risk it's like i'm i have some flexibility there i have some breathing room to take that risk because i i, I am not living paycheck to paycheck or if you had that little place you wanted to buy that little vacation spot that you just talked about you've you you've you put away and you can actually you can actually do it so so um, on the, kind of on that same note i mean a, another thing i often hear people say things like we want to have more kids but we can't afford it or it's too expensive yeah i mean it's just first of all i would say that having or, or they, they they either use money as a reason or they say they're just too busy. It's just too hard. Um, the more kids you have, I actually think the easier you get better at it. They end up being each other's playmates. To I mean, it's really hard when you're your child's playmate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very time consuming and, you're, and it's not satisfactory for them. It's way better for them to have siblings. I mean, it's the greatest gift you can give your child. So I would say and it, it's an advice that somebody gave me and I think it's the best one literally one of the best advice I ever got, which was don't think about the amount of kids you want at this moment. Think about the amount of kids you want around the Thanksgiving table 20 years from yeah, now. That's a good point. And that was such a great way of thinking because, you know, when you're in the middle of the diapers and the, and the, you know, all the, the craziness of having little kids, it feels like you're never going to get out of it. But the truth is it's fleeting. It goes quick. Um, you'll actually, believe it or not, pine for those days at one point. And so I think it's important to think that way. Also, um, we've never thought about the finances of it. It's not a secret that Sean and I um, are not on birth control. We've just taken whatever God, uh, kids God has given us. And it's interesting in Spain, there's a, a, a saying, it says babies are born with a loaf of bread under their arms. And what that means is that you know, God will provide, I guess, right? Like you have the baby, don't worry, you're going to be able to manage. <laughs> and every time we've had a baby, we've made more money. And like, literally, it'll be like a little windfall of some sort that happens. And it'll happen and we'll go, oh, thank you, whichever baby that was that we just had, because something always happened. And I think trusting in that sort of providence and knowing now that works for us, people got to do what works for them. It has it has worked like clockwork like for us, butter. like clockwork. Either we got a windfall, we got a raise, we got something happened every time we had a child. But can, just to, in this whole conversation, I, I, I remember we ran for Congress. We talked about that earlier, and we we listen. We we had to take a loan from my dad when I quit my job as the DA. You weren't working. It was we took huge risks there. It would have been nice to have a little more breathing room financially. We didn't have it. Get through it. You we got through it. But I then had the wonderful distinction of going to Congress and they raided the finances of members of Congress. And I was the poorest member. It was us poorest, and Marco Rubio. We were the, the poorest, poorest family. I'm like, Congress. what's the common denominator? Hispanic. <laughs> I don't know, but it was kind of funny. Yeah, we the, the two poorest members of Congress um, were the Duffies and the Rubios. So that was that was kind of funny. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, 
what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned. Every baby is a miracle from God, worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. The last question is actually a good one. Oh. What worries you most about the situation America is in now? Mm. I think I know what worries Sean the most. Um, so, well, this I think we this is the the the, the Marxism creep, uh, the commie the commie camps that we um, call our education system. All of those things is a burning rot within the country. But what can what what I think is going to have the biggest impact is this this thirty two trillion dollars in debt. The fact that we made so many promises to so many people, so many people get things for free that we can't actually pay for, we'll be at we'll be at we'll be at fifty trillion in ten years. But you've said, Sean, this week that you are deeply concerned. Look, so everybody's talking about the political implications of Donald Trump uh, going to prison during this election. How will it affect the election if the you know the Republican? presidential candidate is running from jail, which is a real serious possibility, maybe even probability. But you've been talking about the financial implications of that and what it will do to the U.S. dollar, the currency and trust in our American financial system globally that America is imprisoning their opposition, uh, the, the, the ruling the president. That's right. And, and so the opposition I, I, leader. I think you should walk people through that because yes. I don't think a lot of people put a lot of thought into. So them. we're thirty-two trillion dollars in debt. Every country um, across the globe owns U.S. debt, American tre- uh, treasuries. They own them as part of their basket of currencies that they hold within their country. Um, and how can America sell thirty-two trillion dollars of debt out into the market? It's based on stability. It's based on security. Uh, it's based on trust. That's why they'll buy in uh, our rule of law. That's why they'll buy U.S. Treasuries um, and they'll buy thirty two trillion dollars of U.S. Treasuries. It's a ton of money. Um, no other country could do it. But we are because of that, that that trust and belief that the world has in this country. If you imprison your former president, if you imprison the the number one opposition leader to the Democrat Party, you put him in jail, you convict him and you're on the way to sending him in jail. That trust that has allowed you to sell $32 trillion of debt out into the world, that trust goes away. The foundation of why people will buy U.S. debt evaporates. And if people lose that trust, if countries lose that trust, if businesses around the globe lose the trust they have to buy that debt, which they do have that trust now and they do buy that debt and they start to sell it, you start to see an economic cascade happen. Um, and it won't just be for America. We're so intertwined, our economy and our debt with the rest of the world. You'll see the rest of the world start to cascade with us. And I think you have massive economic consequences 
for the for the for the imprisonment and prosecution of Donald Trump. So again, we talk politics. The economics of this are cataclysmic, and that's not. We, so, we, so, so we, we talk about what. We talk so, about, so, so what? So what happened? So Donald Trump's in jail. Um, the the rest of the world loses tr- trust in our. You know, economy. what happens to the people that are listening to this right now? So, so, what happens to your finances? So I think I think people sell sell their sell, start selling bonds. I think interest rates will skyrocket. So if people sell bonds, right, that's that's based in the market. You mean the the international community starts selling sell, bonds? Selling, or other selling U.S. Start debt. Selling U.S. debt. Well, to finance to finance American finances, we actually do it by selling new debt. Um, every day we're selling new debt. Well, when you go into the market to sell that new debt, you and no one wants to, to buy it, you have to one pay way more in interest to get people to buy that debt, or the U.S. government has to print more money to buy its own debt, right? So they monetize their debt. So that's All inflationary. All these things are both are going to cause wild inflation, right? And that that inflation is going to crush the economy. So that's going to come at the expense of growth and jobs. Um, and how do families prepare? So this is a, this is a real possibility. This has been keeping you up at night. No one's talking about it. I don't know why. Um, but so how, how should how how do families prepare for that? So I, I can't give you advice how to prepare your family. I talk to you about this a lot. Right. You know, like you're probably a little blue in the face over me talking about this conversation is more interesting to me than the uh, than the sort of micro. I don't know the answer. Finances. I don't know what the perfect answer is to this. Is it gold? Is it? I wish there was an amazing playbook for me to go. This is how you protect yourself. And so, again, I have. Um, I think on on an earlier podcast, I told you I I went to Joseph Partners. It's your, your bank friend. Let us know about this gold guy. Um, But what do you bought gold? Right. Yeah, we bought some gold. But what do people like in Argentina and places that have experienced this level of, you know, this crazy level? I think, by the way, Argentina is in big trouble right now. If you're if you're in their currency, that's a problem. Right. So um, I we we, I have have Bitcoin. We have a little bit of Ethereum, but I'm in Bitcoin. Just took a crash because Elon Musk, uh, SpaceX and and Tesla sold a lot of their Bitcoin. So it's down at like thirty six, twenty six thousand dollars now. But I'm a long term believer in Bitcoin. Um, and I think pro- real real property matters. What right? do you have? Do you do you have your house? And even if you even you, if you're locked, we locked in at three percent on this house that we're in now, and it's at seven percent today. Well, the first house we bought, we paid we were paying seven percent for that first house we bought in Hayward. Um, but this crisis happens, seven percent will look great. Have a have a house. Have some have some. Ha- it's okay to have some debt that's locked in at those interest rates. If you have a floating rate. Right, that's going to move that's with the market. Problem. That's a problem. Your credit card debt, that's a problem. Um, so one thing is paying down your debt and make sure that you're not your in, credit card debt for sure. Um, and I'm not trying to scare people, but let's say that you know, and again, I think it's very probable we could see Donald Trump in jail. I'm praying that that doesn't happen for him or for the country. But would 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 the bat if you had to predict? And I know you're just predicting, and you're not a you're not a you don't have a crystal ball, um, but do you think it that the things that you say are going to happen financially, globally, to the U.S. currency, to our dollar, inflation, et cetera, are those things going to happen once he is in jail or before or when he's in when he's in trial? When do you anticipate yeah. that these movements financially will happen? So the markets don't wait until the, the moment itself. 
they actually they anticipate. actually they anticipate what's going to happen okay. in the market. So the the, the markets are a, are, are pre indicator of what's coming. Before a recession hits, oftentimes markets will sell off. Right, they'll recover and start to come back before a recession's over. Right, they're pre, they're pre, they're they're in advance of what's coming. So, so I, the first trial, Sean, is in January. So so early January, like the second, I believe. So I I, I imagine weeks. You know, whether it's a month and a half, two months before, I think markets will look at this and there'll be some anticipation of, and that, no, that we're talking about the stock market. So I think the rest of the world might hold on a little longer. I think because for so, so unreal. for so long, America's, America's debt has been the gold standard, you know, around the world where, you know, the countries and, and companies are, are buying our debt uh, as an asset. That, that might take a little longer to change. Did you see the interview with Donald Trump and Larry Kudlow? I didn't see all of it. I saw most of it. Um, so he talked about what he would do because he said his biggest fear is, and and this is some this is a serious thing. Again, another consequence, by the way, of the um, of the Ukraine war. I think that the Ukraine war has had consequences people are not even grasping. But one of them is the currency issue. Yeah, well, but he also talked a lot about energy. It's like, how do you deal well, that, with- Well, it's tied to energy. Well, so so first of all, when he talked about currency, he, he, he in essence, has been like, so China- He's worried China, that we might not be the, the, the gold, reserve the currency. reserve currency. So China is trying to undermine the U.S. reserve currency. Of course they are. And they're partnering- Part of the warfare. The, the, the BRICS with his, you know, the, uh, Brazil is part of that. Um, I don't know if is Russia part of BRICS as well. Yes. India is. So they're trying to- Yeah, it's, it's, it's Brazil, Russia- India, India, China. China. Anyway, they're, 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 By the they, way, we helped put, can I just make a note on this? We helped with big tech and our flipping CIA and State Department. We helped put in this leftist criminal into Brazil, um, getting rid of, 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 of uh, um, Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro. And there was a lot of corruption in that election and we fueled it. And we put in somebody who's now partnering with China against us. This is the kind of stupidity that we have in our country. So take a step, go back. Just, go back. So, Sorry so, about that. I had to say that. So uh, just to make it, uh, just to explain. So if a transaction is done between, let's say, France and Brazil, oftentimes those those governments or those companies that are doing a deal with each other's um, businesses in each of those countries, they'll use dollars as um, the the exchange. They won't use their own, their home currencies. They use dollars, and so about seventy percent of the transactions in the world are done in dollars, not in the currency of the country in which the company um, resides. So dollars are used everywhere in the world, and so the the, the BRICS countries want to say, well, we shouldn't be using dollars. Let's actually use a different basket of currencies for you know these global deals that take place. Real threat to the U.S. economy when. Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia decided to sell oil to the Chinese, not in U.S. dollars. Saudi Arabia was only selling oil in U.S. dollars. They've just recently started selling oil, at least to the to the Chinese in the Chinese yuan. Historic move. So you see different signs that the world is moving away from the dollar because the dollar is less secure, less safe, and our credit rating our country just is less stable. Um, right. Our so credit rating just dropped. Uh, Moody's dropped the U.S. credit rating. I get that. There's, there's at this point, there's nothing better than the dollar. Dollar falls. There's there's no better currency. I mean, the, the, again, the, where do you go? It's a problem. However, um, this if this happens with Trump, watch for global economic problems, not just American political problems. Um, 
how you protect yourself. Those are questions you have to answer. I'm thinking through that myself. Don't have the most brilliant answers, but I do go to gold. I go to um, Bitcoin and I go to real, real property. Yep. Three places that I think can help you preserve some kind of wealth should a crisis come. And also just sort of tightening our belts. I mean, we've been talking about that too. Like, being prepared so you actually have, you Spend know, less. cutting, yeah, learning to live with less um, and learning to, you know, save a little bit more so that if something happens, you have a little bit more of a nest egg. And there. Here's what burns me that the liberals, they don't they don't care what they're doing to America, to the American norms. This might make people angry. Remember the chant, lock her up, lock her up. I went on with Megyn Kelly a, like a week after Donald Trump was elected. I was a member of Congress. She's like, do you, uh, not, so now are you going to lock her up? And I said, no, we don't lock her up. That's not what you do. You do, Because if you lock Hillary Clinton up for way, way greater crimes than Donald Trump has ever committed, her ble- bleach bidding, her, her, uh, her computers and her hard drive and smashing her cell phones when there was a preservation order Notice. from the court and from the Congress. I mean, listen, and she had top secret information on her private server that the Chinese could access far greater crime than what the documents Donald Trump had secured in a basement in Mar-a-Lago with secret service on the property. But I said, no, don't prosecute her because I think that sets off a chain reaction in this country that we don't want to have. And you might say there's two different standards for, you know, the Trumps and the Clintons and the Obamas than the rest of us. In some respect, yes, there is. So if we're going to prosecute uh, a, a political enemy or what could be perceived as a political enemy, they probably should have killed somebody or they probably should have taken bribes to sell their country out. Well, that's happened. I know. That's what Maybe get, in that, both cases. That's what gets you kicked out of office. That's what gets you prosecuted. But the crimes that Donald Trump's been charged with, yeah, I've never heard boxes. of them. No one ever heard <laughs> of these totally crimes before. They're totally novel interpretations on, on all of on this. All of it. So again, if you if 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 you incited an insurrection, that's a crime. That wasn't charged. He didn't. The, the they, they all claim he incited an insurrection, but he but wasn't charged with they, that. As far as these prosecutors wanted to contort the law, they couldn't contort it into charging Donald Trump they didn't inciting have an insurrection because there wasn't proof of it. And so they're they're wrecking this country by this prosecution because there will be retribution. There will be go okay. No one's off limits now for the smallest crimes and the we can control laws as well. We're coming for your people as well. But on no, your but, show but, last night, talk, talk, talk about what Sean Davis said, which is he was spot on. Well, and this was um, it's just in the context of this. So, you know, we have Ted Cruz, who has an excellent podcast, by the way, which you and I both listen to because no one can break down the law, especially constitutional law, better than Ted Cruz. He might be the smartest man in Congress. And yet um, he was asked about whether or not Republicans should go tit for tat on the situation that of what they're doing to Donald Trump. And he said, no, because, of course, he's a lover of the law and the Constitution. He knows what they're doing is unconstitutional and is bad for America. But he doesn't think the Republicans should go tit for tat. Sean, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, we've had a lot of conversations on this, and I believe that normally we shouldn't go tit for tat. We shouldn't use the law as a political weapon. Um, but you had Sean Davis on, your host of Jesse last night, and he made from the Federalist. He made a really good point. He's like, listen, during the Cold War, there was something called mutual assured destruction. No one launched nuclear weapons 
because they knew that the other side would launch them as well and that everybody would be wiped off the face of the earth. You could never win that war if a, if a nuke was launched. You had detente. It was a peace through this idea that you all die if you launch them. Democrats are able to launch nukes at Republicans and Ted Cruz and others who believe like Ted, who again, I have a lot of respect for and I think is really smart. But on this one, they can launch nukes at Republicans knowing that they'll never launch them back. You don't get detente. You don't get a Cold War standoff because of the way Republicans are playing the game. They have to switch and go, you know what? You want to launch nukes? We will too. And maybe at one point, everyone will go, wait, hold on a second. This actually isn't the way our government should work. Maybe we shouldn't use the law to prosecute political enemies. Maybe we should go back to the way we had it before where we didn't actually use the law to try to put people who we disagree with in jail. That was a really great way that this country worked. Let's go back to that. Liberals, Democrats will never get there unless their politicians are on trial. Their politicians are going to go to jail. And once that happens, maybe we'll go back to a place where actually we don't do this in the country. So every state AG Republican should be looking at every state AG should be looking at all the election deniers. And there are massive amounts of them from Stacey Abrams to Hillary Clinton. Even even Joe Biden is on tape saying John Kerry actually won. Uh, They have all had questions about elections and that's never been considered criminal. Um, to have that point of view. When it, when an illegal comes into the country and um, sells or or a drug dealer comes in from Mexico and sells drugs and kills kids or an illegal kills a U.S. citizen and that Republican state, maybe Mayorkas should be prosecuted and so too should Joe Biden. He's killing kids. So by he's responsible agency. for it That's through right. his through his policies. Yep. We're, we're, this is this is this is how crazy these conversations have become because of the crazy stuff that Democrats have done to this country. You mean Marxists? The Marxists, yes. Mm-hmm. The globalists. The communists. So it's a, it's, a, it's a sad place. But if you want to fight to get America back to where it once was, you got to play their game. Anyway, uh, listen, Rachel, great conversation, good questions, a lot of topics. Um, yeah. I always love our Friday conversations from the kitchen table. Go everywhere. They go <laughs> They're kind of free-flowing sometimes. <laughs> That's what happens when you sit down and go, what questions you want to take? And let's have a cup of coffee. Uh, but I was fun. Listen, I want to thank you all for joining our podcast from the kitchen table. If you like this podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. You can always find us at foxnewspodcasts.com. Um, we also like when you subscribe. That's always great because you'll get a notice every time this podcast drops. Awesome stuff. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. See you next week. Bye. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.